0: Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher-value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org slash thelens for more information about
1: Catalysis. Welcome back to The Lens. I'm your host, Peter Mariahazi. As your organization matures on the journey to organizational excellence, the function of the improvement team evolves from project based facilitation to supporting leaders through cultural transformation. Today, it's my pleasure to be joined by Catalysis staff and faculty to discuss the importance of building coaching capability within your process improvement or PI team. As you listen to these experts, if you're looking to develop your coaching skills, check out our virtual workshop, Building Coaching Capabilities, Transforming Your Improvement Team at createvalue.org slash coaching capabilities, or check out our full list of upcoming workshops at createvalue.org slash workshops. It's my pleasure to welcome Karen Flom, Pam Heenlander, and Teresa Moore. Thank you all for joining me today.
2: Peter? Peter?
1: First, Pam, you've done a you've done a podcast, but this is the first time for Teresa and Pam, Uh, you know, introduce yourselves and and the work you do. Teresa, tell the listeners about you.
0: Sure. Uh, Thanks for having me, Peter. Um, So I've been uh, working in the improvement area for for quite a long time with basically the last 15 years in healthcare. And really what I'm focusing on now, primarily as faculty with catalysis, is helping those process improvement team and leaders transition um, from either tellers or facilitators, that project-based uh, improvement culture that you talked about, into coaches, right? So helping those organizations move more towards a
1: learning environment. Excellent. And, and Pam, reintroduce yourself to the listeners.
2: Thank you. Um, Pam Helander, I am uh, the director of our executive forums here at Catalysis, and I also support the education team with coaching and um, teaching of our workshops. I've been in healthcare for more than 30 years. I'm a nurse by background, and I've worked in both operations and in um, quality or improvement, um, the different sides of the work. So I've had the experience of the coach and the person being coached.
1: Oh, thank you, Pam. And Karen, bring us home. Tell everybody about you.
2: Oh, great. So my name is Karen
3: Flom, and I'm currently the Program Director of Education here at Catalysis. Um, And like Pam, I also do some teaching and coaching with our materials. You know, I started my work not in healthcare. I started mostly in um, human development field across other industries. But about 20 plus years ago, I came to healthcare and had the chance to be frontline leadership, PI frontline, and Uh, service line leadership, as long as PI leadership, and that's all been really in the experienced environment where leaders serve as coaches, and so it's that experience and passion that brought me to this place with catalysis to help others who are on the journey.
1: And it's marvelous to have three experts who all have experience working with, working in, coaching uh, in PI teams, so tell the listeners, why is it important for a PI team to develop their coaching skills?
3: Yeah, you know, I first, when I first think about it, Peter, I think about kind of where it started. So 20 years ago, when we saw process improvement work, first being introduced lean methodology and tools, you know, into healthcare, and today we see it really more maturing and embedded in a model of daily continuous improvement, creating really that environment of organizational excellence. In this evolution, we really see organizations move to a culture of problem-solving at the front line, which has had a huge impact to the role of the process improvement team from owning the work, uh, you know, owning the work of standards for the improvement, to really coaching for development. Uh, Teresa, I would love to hear um, how you would speak to that,
0: uh, knowing the work you do frontline. Um. Thanks. So one of the key principles that we focus in on is respect for people. And the ultimate respect is not robbing them of their development. And we we often lose sight of that by telling others what to do. And so as we think about the need for developing coaching skills, we we need to develop those within the PI team so that we can also help our leaders develop those coaching skills. Because by telling those leaders what to do or doing it for them, we're robbing them of that development. We want those leaders to transition from that command and control really to helping create that environment of improvement and of learning. So as leaders take on that new role of coach and teacher versus the traditional command, command and control, the process improvement team needs to support that evolution. And in order to support that evolution, they need to develop their coaching skills first. So Pam, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Um, Yeah, I think um, when you think about that, Teresa, I love that transition of helping the leader be, um, be the coach. But our PI team are also used to being the doers of the work, right? So they got where they are because they were good doers. And this is a really different way to, to lead and get the work done when you have to switch to being the coach. Um, so if the PI person is the doer, they are beca- they become the owner of the improvement or the work. And so when the PI person moves to their next assignment, the team didn't own that work and so the work isn't sustainable that way. So when you think about it that way, it's really important for us to get the PI folks to understand their role as a coach to actually help the team have a sustainable solution in the long run.
1: That's great insight, especially the transition from owning the project to leaving capabilities where you were and helping spread that so that throughout the organization. So so then with this transition and, and learning to leave capability, what are some common challenges people have when they're coaching others?
3: Oh, thanks, Peter. That's a really great question because there's a there's several of them. I think the first place to start, though, is when we're talking about coaching. What are we talking about? So the folks who come to the roles of process improvement in healthcare come from a variety of backgrounds, experiences, skills. And coaching means different things to different people, right? So it's important to be clear about how are we defining it. So coaching itself can span a continuum from coaching for correction to coaching for a standard to coaching for development. Each has its own purpose or intent and has a different approach required. When we're talking about coaching in this context, we're talking about coaching for development, which is really focused on helping the other person learn in a way where they can keep growing afterwards really developing their thinking. So just if we can start with that definition so that we're all in the same conversation. And then I would ask uh, Teresa, uh, tell us a little bit about what you see
0: when you are at the elbow with those teams. Sure, absolutely. So I think it's important to keep that definition that you just shared with us in mind, Karen. One of the common struggles that we see is when there is a level or a power differential between the, the coach Um, and the learner. When that learner, let's say, is an executive that's being coached by a member of the improvement team, there's some struggles around that. Um, And often that's when those coaches transition outside of their lane. So when the PI team is coaching that executive they're very excited they finally are able to have that regular connection with that executive they understand the importance of getting them to uh, lead and to coach others but oftentimes that turns into tell and advice and so when you are not coaching but telling and advising then you're owning the problem you're owning the development and so that is definitely a spot that those improvement professionals get themselves um into trouble. Also the nuance between teaching and coaching. So when to slip into each role. So when do I need to teach and when do I need to coach? So I may need to teach the concept because I can ask questions all day. But if you're trying to learn how to speak French and you don't know any French words, asking questions isn't going to help you learn that development. So we want to there's that fine line of going back and forth, and so between those two, I often see the improvement folks struggle a little bit um, in staying in their lane. So, really, really critical pieces of that. Uh, Tim or Pam, from your perspective, what do you see here as uh, some of those concerns or struggles? Yeah.
2: So um, another struggle that I've seen with PI folks is especially when they're coaching for development, is remaining curious. So sometimes we come in and we think we know the answer, or we think we know the solution to the problem. And so we ask questions to try and get to that solution instead of asking questions for curiosity, really thinking about um, what, what, do I, what do I wanna know about what the person is thinking? How do I not get to the solution for them um, and, and really be patient with them? And sometimes I hear people say, well, that takes too long, right? I don't have the time to ask all those questions and wait for them to get to the solution. And I want you to think about it a little differently. So, when you take the time to be curious and get their thinking, they'll get to a solution that's the right solution to the problem that they're trying to solve, or at least the one that they want to try. So if they come, you come in with a solution and they try your solution, it's not the right solution, it's going to take you longer because you have to go back and start again with their thinking. So take the time to get their thinking, let them try, celebrate with them when it works or doesn't work because sometimes their solution might not be the right solution the first time. That's good. They learn from that. And then remember, you're going to find times where just because you thought of a solution that um, you think would work, they're gonna come up with something that you didn't even think about because they know the work better. So be patient, give it the time, take the, the, we always say, go slow to go fast, give them the time to really be th- put their thinking, their stamp on the work and then coach them through it. So that's just one of those struggles. I think sometimes we come in and think we know the answer. So be curious.
1: You know, I appreciate the perspective of, it sounds like as PI team members become coaches, they may be in some uncomfortable um, situations and get out of their comfort zone to be a coach as opposed to a solver. And as Teresa said, you're coaching up, you're coaching up a level and, and there's some could be some discomfort there. So they want to get comfortable with that. So tell us about some of the elements that make effective coaching. So one of the the key
0: elements to coaching, and actually you could probably expand this beyond, you know, all the critical activities that you do is what is your intent? What is your intent from that coaching relationship? What is your intent from that session? So not to be confused what Pam talked about, which is not trying to get the learner to the place that you think they should go. That's not what I mean by intent. Intent is how are you trying to develop that learner? What do they need to develop? How does their thinking need to develop? If they're not very self-aware, let's say, well, what questions are you going to ask them that's gonna help them develop that self-awareness, help them develop that thinking? It's not about, well, my intent is to make sure that um, they put up visual management or they utilize a certain aspect of improvement. But think about what are you trying to accomplish? Is your intent? And also understanding their intent. What do they need out of this coaching relationship? What are they trying to learn or do or understand? And where do they want to progress? So intention is so key in framing how you walk into this relationship, both from a large perspective of of the relationship overall, but then each individual session may have a sub intent, you will, or an intent for that particular time together. So so both are important to keep in perspective. If you move away from that intent, what you'll find is that your time together wanders all over the place. So intention helps keep you focused and makes your time more effective and more valuable. Because one thing we probably could all agree on is we have more things to accomplish than what we have time for. So um, Pam, what about your perspective? What are some of the elements that you see as important to effective coaching?
2: Thanks, Teresa. So yeah, um, once you've established that intent with the the person that you're coaching with, um, there's a few additional skills that I think we need to... um, hone as we learn to be better coaches. One would be um, that skill of inquiry. Uh, How do we ask questions? And Edgar Schein talks about the art of drawing someone out by asking those questions for which we don't know the answer, right? And sometimes that's a really different way of thinking um, and it requires practice. So um, that's another skill that we think you need to practice as you become a better coach. In addition to that, sometimes when we're trying to think about that next question we aren't actively listening so active listening is another skill that i think is really important for a coach to hone Um, so when you listen for intent to learn again you're starting to listen to the thinking of the coachee the person that you're working with Um, and then really sometimes along with the questions and the listening is that feedback process right so like Teresa said, you know, there's some teaching that needs to that fine art of teaching and coaching. So sometimes you're asking questions and sometimes you need to actually provide some direct feedback. Um, and so if you haven't read the book, Thanks for Your Feedback, The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback from um, Doug Stone and Sheila Heen, I would highly recommend that book. Um, they, it was really eye-opening for me. Um, they talked about pushing feedback versus pull for feedback. Um, is your person ready for the feedback, how are you, um, what did you agree to, to how you want to give that feedback, and then the other thing that was really powerful for me in that book was the, um, I can be the feedback giver, but the receiver of that feedback has the power to decide if they're going to use that feedback or not, and so as the receiver of feedback, that was really helpful for me to be able to, it almost gives you permission to Take, take a step back and think about the feedback and decide what you wanna use as the feedback giver. It was also important for me to hear that because sometimes you give feedback and then you come back and they didn't do the things that you talked about. And then you have to think about, well, maybe that feedback wasn't helpful for them and it is their decision on whether or not they're gonna actually take that feedback. So I think remain curious, listen actively and then provide feedback are all valuable skills for a coach to learn. Karen, what do you think?
3: Oh, um, Frisa and Pam, I think you've covered the core of it, and I, I absolutely support what you've said. Um, the, the piece I would add to it would be about reflection, right? There's no learning without reflection. And so as a coach, part of your role is to help your learner develop that um, process of their own, their own structure for reflection. We, as um humans, I think especially in the urgency of the world of healthcare, we are very focused on plan and do it, plan and do it, just go do. And we don't always take the structured time to say, what am I learning? What went well with what I was trying? What do I want to do differently? Am I meeting my intention? Am I getting to where I intended to go? Um, Did I deliver on um, what I thought I was going to do with this practice and this work? So I think taking time to reflect of Um, where you've been and where you still want to go to make sure that your actions are aligned um, with where you're trying to be. And I think it's just as important for the coaches to reflect as it is for the learners, right? So coaches can support learners to develop their own process and create that habit um, and give them maybe some accountability to that. But as coaches, I think it's equally as important to say, did I hit my intent in this coaching session, right? Did I ask questions that were in service to my learner, because we get good at what we practice. And so it's about reflecting back on our own practice as coaches um, to make sure that we're also delivering what we need to do.
1: Oh, thank you all that. That's a great foundation for our listeners who aren't doing coaching to think about. So let's take that to the next level. I can imagine there's some out there going, hey, I want to do this. What advice would you give to someone who's starting a new coaching relationship?
2: So I can um, kick this one off. So um, Teresa talked about intent and understanding intent. And I think when you start a coaching relationship, I always begin with that. What is is the purpose of this coaching relationship? What do each of us want to get out of it? And then what are the ground rules we're going to set around the relationship? For instance, if we decide that there's homework that's going to be done in between, we both agree that we're going to get that homework done, and we're going to focus on it. if, for instance, when I do personal development A3 coaching, we work on their A3. And so before I do my coaching session, I want to see that A3 in advance so that I have the opportunity to have some quiet reflection and come up with some questions that will be helpful for the person doing the A3. So a ground rule might be Um, You have to send me your work in advance. So I have time and I have to do my prep. So as you begin the coaching relationship, it's kind of like set the intent and the reason we're doing this and then set the ground rules around um, what do we both agree to do in this coaching relationship? Then, you know, we get to the work. So Karen, what are your thoughts on the next steps?
3: Well, you know, when I think about um, advice and starting the coaching relationship, right? Coaching is a shared relationship. It goes both ways and relationships will rise to the level of trust. So I think about, you know, Teresa, as you talked about the importance of intent, when I'm starting a new coaching relationship, my intent is how am I going to build the relationship, the trust with my learner um, about, um, because you can't move forward without that, right? You're only going to go as fast as your level of trust. And so when you think about that, there are specific behaviors and actions you can use to increase trust in a relationship or decrease them. Um, But when you think about increasing trust, I think about what you talked about, Pam, clarifying expectations. That is one way to increase trust. Start the conversation about what each of you expect from the coaching relationship. Set the expectation that it's a two-way relationship. Um, Creating transparency also really helps build trust. So what is it about the process and the work ahead that needs to be Clear. Do you have the same definition of what coaching is? Are we clear about what the learner's targets are and the roles that people are gonna play? And then the, I think the third piece that I, I focus on is it action or behavior to help build trust is um, thinking about my intent to listen, right? So when you listen first, uh, you demonstrate that you're seeking to understand, you wanna understand their goals and challenges, you're investing in their success. So as a coach, everything we do is in service to our learners And I think demonstrating that through your behaviors is how you build trust and really start that relationship well. Um, So when I think about that, um, Teresa, what would you add as well?
0: Well, both you and Pam have uh, definitely defined some of those foundational pieces of having that initial conversation around the ground rules and expectations. and, and, And as you pointed out, Karen, Uh, critical to starting that, building the trust in their relationship, which is key to coaching. One of the things I think it's important also to point out for folks who are starting to figure what what does this coaching mean is remembering that coaching is a process, right? We tend to think of it as an act or, or that's my role coach, but we need to step back and think about coaching as a process we go back to the old quote, right? Those that don't plan, plan to fail. And oftentimes really where I see beginning coaches struggle is because they're not thinking about it as a process. They're just kind of flying into the meeting by the seat of their pants and going, okay, I know I'm supposed to ask some questions. And they're trying to look at if it's a development session, they're trying to look at that personal development, a three in the moment. Um, They're not, they're, maybe remembering what the intent was and they're in the moment trying to think of a great question to ask. And as a result, really struggle with helping themselves move forward as a coach as well as not really helping the learner advance as well. So that process can be unique to the coach, but a simple way to think about it and to get started is just follow the plan, do, study, adjust cycle. Right. As you think about, okay, I've got a coaching relationship that I want to start. Well, what's what's the plan? Right? What would you include in a plan? Okay, what's the background? You know, what what is your existing relationship with the with the learner? You know, what are some of those biases that you might have? How do you start to think about that? What is the current state? What is going on in your world? What's going on in, in the world of the learner? How many other Things are they trying to juggle or manage? You know, what's the timetable that you're trying to progress the individual? At? So think about the plan. And some of the things that Pam and Karen talked fit right in there, right? What are the concerns about building that trust? What are the ground rules that you've agreed to? Maybe, maybe you haven't established that yet. Maybe that's one of the things that you need to do. Then think about your process of actually doing the coaching, right? Are you gonna take notes? Are you going to record it? How are you going to track what's being said? What are those critical elements that you need to be thinking about as you go through that coaching interaction? And like, I think Karen, you talked about reflection earlier, is how am I gonna study, right? So what, do, what questions do I need to ask myself as a coach? Did I help them advance their intent? Did I meet my intent? What experiments am I trying as a coach? How did they go? What worked well? What didn't go well? And then the adjustment part. What am I going to do next time? How am I going to tweak my coaching, my prep, what I do in the middle? What am I going to ask my learner to do differently? What are those adjustments that need to happen to my coaching process? And so that's just a a nice way to think about it and maybe to capture some thinking um, to help advance your coaching practice.
1: Thank you all. I think, I think anybody listening to this is going to listen to this multiple times because you guys have packaged a whole bunch of great information in here. So what's one thing let's hear from each of you. What's one key thing to focus on when you take on the role of a coach? So, you know, a, start this,
0: when I think about, and I'm always working on, how do I improve my practice as a coach? And one of the key things is ensuring that I'm not taking ownership of whatever it, you know, that I'm coaching or trying to help that learner uh, advance and, and meet their intent. And so how do we, how do I stay objective? And so when I think about, you know, staying objective, really being thoughtful about the not telling, not giving advice, because I don't want to rob them of their development. Because as a coach, it's important for me to stay neutral, if you will, to make sure that they're understanding their own problem and they're making that development. And a key piece is as you start to do more and more of this, you have to, you'll, you'll start to see patterns, right? And that's a slippery slope where you can now those biases of what you've seen repeat over and over start to creep in. So being mindful of those biases um, that could impact your objectivity. So being thoughtful about that. So that's one of the things that I focus on as I go into and continue to work with individuals. Um, what, What are your thoughts on this one, Karen? Um, gosh, Teresa, you know, I would absolutely agree with
3: you. I think staying objective is so key um, because everything we do as coaches is in service to our learners. And so when I talk about that, I think about being present, like being present for my learner, which for me, um, takes prep and takes space to do that. So I think Teresa, you use the example of sometimes our days get stacked and you run from one next thing to the other. And if you fly in there without having a time for me, like to be set and, and think about being present for that learner, it's not going to be a valuable experience. And so I, I need to take time to do that um, because I do need that space to put aside my own biases and my own thinking, focus on what would be in service to my learner. You know, where are they at? Where are they trying to go? Reground on where did we leave our last conversation? And one of the things I will do is, is probably in my prep capture one or two questions that I want to ask my learner in service of their learning and their thinking so that when I am in the conversation, I can focus on what my learners are talking about and where they're at. And I don't have to be worried about, oh, what am I gonna say? What was that question I was gonna ask? So those kinds of things help me be present and put aside all the other exterior factors, the environment around me so that my time with them is is really in service to them. So Pam, what would, what do you focus on when you take on that role?
2: Um, thanks, Karen. Um, so I love the focus on prep um, and making sure that you're staying objective. The one thing that I've learned as a coach is sometimes you have to be there to watch the person do what they're doing, right? You have to kind of go see. And so, so when you do that, you learn so much. I can have a conversation with somebody and we can have a really good conversation. But then when I actually go see, I see something completely different. So as a coach, my recommendation is that you do some go see that you, you know, if you wanna see how the person is really doing their work, go watch them do it. But there's a few things that you probably wanna do if you're gonna do that. So make sure you ask permission of the coach E. So are you okay if I come and um, hang out with you as as you do your work? Talk about the purpose of you doing that and what that process is gonna look like, right? Do you want me to coach you while you're you're working with your team? If you're in a huddle and you're you're leading the huddle, do you want me to interrupt and coach you during the huddle process? Or would you prefer that we have that conversation offline after this after the huddle process? So what does that? Um, go see purpose and process look like and then if you're going to do that so say you're at a huddle there's other people there so how do you make sure that the other people that are around when you're coaching the coachee um, are are aware of what your purpose is I'm here to work with this person not here to work with you on whatever problem you're trying to solve right so the intent behind me being there make sure that you you uh, let the, the others know what you're doing there. So um, advice would be just go see, because we learn so much when we actually go spend time where the work is happening.
1: And and as you all were talking, it was amazing to me, the analogies to being a coach in sport, whatever the sport is, to go see, to be present, to be prepared, to be objective, to be able to do that. And that's something I think can resonate with people. So to kind of start closing this out, do, Do any of you have a final thought that you'd like to share with the listeners?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think clear is kind, right? So um, one thing that's important for us as coaches is once you develop that trusting relationship and that intent and purpose on the coaching then really just be open and honest with the person that you're working with because they're going to learn more from what you're really thinking and be able to use that feedback like we talked about earlier and decide what works for them, reflect on it, and then determine what their next steps are. So clear is kind. Don't beat around the bush. Give them the honest feedback that they are asking for from you as a coach. Uh, Karen, what,
3: what's your advice? Um, So I love clear is kind. Thank you for pulling that one, Pam. You know, I think my advice is um, be good to yourself, right? We get good at what we practice. And when we start to reflect, and we're in that role of learning and building our coaching skills, we want to be better in all those realms. And we want to be really good in how we deliver what we deliver for our learners. And so as you know, Teresa talked about, there is a coaching process and think about it in a plan, do, study, adjust. So when you are reflecting and you're preparing for your next section, um, pick one thing you want to practice, one thing you want to do better next time, maybe two, but don't try and do all of it at once. Be good to yourself in the process and and focus on your skills in that way.
0: And I think to chime in on and piggyback off of what Karen said about reflection, that self-reflection is great and can lead to a lot of Um, improvements in your your coaching practice, but feedback from others is outstanding. So ask for feedback. It can help you identify um, opportunities for your own development, potential opportunities to build that relationship with your learner, and how to think about experiments that will make your coaching sessions even more effective.
1: So that's my final advice. Oh, thank you. What a great way to close that out, Teresa. And thank you all for joining us today.
3: Peter? Thanks, Peter. Really appreciate the opportunity to connect with some of my favorite coaches in this work. (laughs) Yeah. Love
1: working with these ladies. Thanks, Peter. Great. The advice was really helpful, and, and I want to thank you all for listening. If your improvement team is working to build a consistent approach to organizational excellence, an organizational subscription to the catalysis academy can help learn more at createvalueorg academy and stay tuned for more episodes designed to help healthcare leaders support their organizations on a journey to organizational excellence
0: thank you for listening visit createvalue.org the lens to learn more about how catalysis can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization